we say to America is be true to what you said on paper. And so just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, we aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Live from downtown Detroit, it's No BS News Hour with my main man, Na 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 no bullshit! <laughs> Just a breaking news. Double bullshit. Double bullshit. Happy MLK Day, Karen. Happy MLK and Monday and New Year and all that stuff to you too. Let me put in context what that was. Mm -hmm. That was this last speech that Martin Luther King Jr. delivered. It was the night before he was assassinated. He was in Memphis, Tennessee. But what was going on in Memphis, Tennessee? There was a garbage strike. Mm -hmm. Two sanitation workers in Memphis had been crushed to death. The wages were low, the conditions were horrible. And if you know in the prior year, Dr. King, started the poor people's campaign. It became now bigger, well, I don't know if you can say bigger, it became the next move. You have Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act. Then he figured out what we're living now, which is the biggest chair at the table in this country are poor people, right? White, he went to Appalachia, black, the barrios, the reservations, the big movement was to combine everybody because we would have the biggest voice mm -hmm. and then he took a bullet the next day yeah doesn't seem coincidental but okay that's where the i am a man comes from mm -hmm. those are sanitation workers saying mm -hmm. i deserve a decent wage and right. decent working conditions i think that's really important with where we're at in america now with everything kind of sliding away i was gonna say and yet here we still are so you know with us is chris cuomo um, who's in his basically uh, 
hunting and fishing lodge down there in his basement trying to come up with an idea he has a new show it's cuomo it's on news nation 8 p.m eastern 7 central trying to figure out what he wants to say tonight because the guy's working hard and that right chris didn't that help you at all about how you can uh yes i i think all of your work is very helpful which is why i am uh fan first uh then friend there's a professional right there kissing my ass right <laughs> off the top i appreciate it thank you brother yes because that's how i'm known <laughs> i am the great flatterer um look there are always so many different ways uh to look at history the present uh you know we get stuck in myopia when the reality is a kaleidoscope and uh, there are, you know, one of the best things that I try to adhere to is be very careful about simple or single factor solutions to complex situations. They're almost always incomplete. And in dealing with race, you know, let alone class, let alone nation, uh, you know, these are such heavy, complicated things, which is why we've always relied on the genius of simplicity. You know, Jesus's message fundamentally was love mercy, love each other the way I have loved you, do it for the love of me, and my name is truth. Um, it became very simple. So on a day like today, you got to weed through so much stuff to get to what matters. I was telling Charlie earlier, for the rest of you, if you didn't hear it, I know you at home didn't hear it. Um, there are a lot of white people who come after me or anybody who's white for talking about Dr. King because you should be shutting up and letting people of color speak. And two things can be true at once. Yes, you should give more voice uh, to the minority, any minority, any uh, group that needs should speak for themselves as much as possible. However, however, what is the obvious reality? Nothing let me, changes. Let me throw care in there. there is, should this white man be talking about? I was going to say, uh, wait, don't, don't make me the resident black person. <laughs> Why not? Okay. You're proud. <laughs> say you it know, loud. But this is the thing, though. I think, first of all, the conversation about the issue of race and social and economic inequality is something that should not be relegated to one or two days a year or one month a year. That's the first thing, because then it becomes, what is it, Charlie, that I always say, that things are, that have no substance. Performative. Exactly. And so, you know, all these conversations and marches and people wearing T-shirts and all that stuff, what does it mean when the next day you can't look a person who doesn't look like you in the eye? What does it mean when the next day you aren't doing something to help someone other than yourself? So I don't care about the conversation. I care about the commitment and I care about the action 365 days a year. Bingo. Now, if, uh, before we get into yeah, it, Chris. You just don't get those two without the conversation. And, and I understand. I think the conversation culture is proof of that. And the conversation has to take place. And I think everybody is entitled to that conversation. And I think the conversation has to be candid. It has to be honest, respectful, uh, and it has to be substantive and results oriented. You know, we can't just have conversation for the sake of filling time. All right, let me say this. Simplicity, living it, your history, 
who you are, what you did. They're all very complicated things, but mm -hmm. I, I want to lead with this, Chris. I hope you'll watch it before we get into you, what you're doing, where you've been, where you're going. This is a story I did for Fox. It's about my family. It's about our history, our legacy, where we come from. And I'm really disappointed because, you know, with the consolidation of media, the whole archive of what I did for them is blown out. You can't even find this under any Fox banner. So I dug it up. It's really important to me and about the things we're talking about and the history and the future. And um, this is me finding out some things about my family's racial history. And let's play. Please watch it, Chris, and all of you watch it. As a white kid growing up in the suburbs, there was a lot I wasn't taught about the city. The short version of what I was taught goes something like this. In 1967, the blacks went crazy and burned down the greatest city in America, and we whites were forced to leave. The adults never said why. I left Michigan as a young man and returned a middle-aged reporter, and that story didn't make sense anymore. So I traced my own people's journey north. We weren't Cajuns like I'd been told. We're Creoles, Louisiana people who'd been born black but lived in Detroit as white. Why? I went to my grandfather's birthplace on the banks of the Mississippi. His cousins still live there. Good morning. How you doing? Just fine. Really great pleasure. It's a pleasure. Fantastic. A lot of so-called mulattoes or whatever they called us, they moved away. They they were really like a a class within two classes. You one was white, one was black, and here you are, a little of each. This one didn't want you around. That one didn't want you around. Great-grandpa Henri Leduff was the illiterate son of a sharecropper. No picture of him exists, but he was said to be light-skinned, born to this man, Donache Leduff. Henry would take Inez Porche as his wife. She was from a well-to-do Creole family. When Henri went north to seek his fortune in Detroit's factories, she stayed here in Baton Rouge with her two sons, my grandfather Roy and his brother Earl. The census lists them as mulattoes. Back in the 1920s, folks like Henry Leduff, who wanted to be a part of the American dream and move on up north, would have come to this place. This was the depot of the Texas and Pacific Railroad and New Roads, and those tracks led north. So this was a... Uh his car would have been segregated. It would have been. He because, would have got in the colored car. Exactly. Even though he was as fair as you and I, probably, if you had just a portion of black blood, I think it was 164th, and you were 63, 64th, you were still considered black. When he got up north, he could register on the census as a white man, and no one knew. When Henri Leduff got off the train, he decided to pass for white and call himself Henry. He took a room in a white woman's boarding house on Detroit's east side, telling the census man his mother was from Paris and spoke only French. Henry escaped the segregated Jim Crow South for the North, where every man was supposedly equal. When he came to Detroit, he would have found a world that in many ways resonated with what he knew about Louisiana. It would have been a world in which blacks were restricted in terms of where they could live and where they could work. 
Uh, the jobs that were available were the ones that employers uh, deemed suitable replacement for the immigrant workforce, the worst jobs, the dirtiest jobs, the most unhealthy jobs. Between 1910 and 1930, one million people moved to Detroit. 120,000 of them were black, and blacks were legally barred in Detroit from living in all but the worst ghettos. Since great-grandpa Henry was now white, it allowed him to buy property and build his house here on Burwood Street. In 1924, he sent for his wife and teenage sons. White supremacy was so powerful uh, an ideology in Detroit that in 1924, the Ku Klux Klan endorsed candidate actually won a majority of the vote for mayor. He could not take office because it was a writing campaign and so many of his supporters had misspelled his name. They were burning crosses on the steps of City Hall. And so it would have been a sh something of a shock, I think, given the expectation that the North was gonna be so substantially different. My great-grandmother, much darker than her husband, rarely ventured out. Well, never any party at our house. Daddy would go out on his own, visit the bars and his friends. He never took mother with him. He never uh, has even introduced any of his friends. Do you know you're black? No. They never said anything. They never mentioned anything about their life. When they first got married, they never had a picture taken when they were married. Oh, no, I won't say that. Maybe they did. But the church burned down. But that church still stands on the banks of the Mississippi. It turns out nothing burned down except the past. I think they wanted to stay white and have a better living. Someone told me somewhere, sometime, that they, their children were doctors. In 1930, my great-grandparents and their three children were designated on the census as W. After two centuries, we Duffs were miraculously scrubbed white. With the end of World War II, the city was now 1.8 million people. 300,000 of them black. Restrictive mortgages still forbade selling or renting to blacks. The federal government even paid for this, a racial Berlin Wall along the same street my great-grandfather built his home to keep the blacks out. Around that time, my cousin Jerry's family came up from Louisiana. They came as blacks. It's like living up south instead of down south. It's the same thing. You know, you, you're faced with the same problems, not to the same degree, but they were still there. The Jim Crow era happened here. That place all over Detroit. You know, right in the city of Detroit. That black person couldn't live. Great-grandpa Henry LaDuff passed on in 1951, joining his wife. That same year, his son, my grandfather Roy, met Betsy Steele, a waitress. They danced at the Vanity Ballroom on the east side of the city. She called herself white, which was half true. She was also a Chippewa Indian. This is where my grandparents met. It couldn't have been a Monday night because that was black night only because they didn't want people mixing. Nobody knew that they were both mixed. They came up with somebody like me. Grandpa Roy brought two children from a previous marriage, including my father. Betsy brought six children, including my mother. Together they made ten. A white family with Priscilla curtains and crystal goblets in the house that great-grandpa Henry built. Later in life, my mother and father fell in love and married. You think Grandpa knew he was black? 
Your grandpa or my grandpa? My grandpa. Your grandpa. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, he was old enough when we left Louisiana. I don't care if he was black and I could have seen it. I love that man. I'll love that man until I go to my grave. And that's what I see. As the family was living the white life, trouble was brewing. Blacks began to jump the cinder block wall in search of a better life. The restrictions placed on what blacks could do in the way of employment, in terms of living, and the circumstances of their entire lives are increasingly oppressive as the black community is expanding dramatically. By the time we get to 1966-1967, the police force remains overwhelmingly white. Uh, and in fact, the police commissioner later testified that his principal job was to persuade the white officers who represented about 96, 95% of the police force, that they did not have the constitutional right to beat African Americans when they took them into custody. And on July 23rd, 1967, white cops began knocking black heads at an after-hours party on Claremont Street. The motor city is burning. Blacks run back, and the city burned for five days. It was, at the time, the most devastating riot in the history of America. Detroit has never recovered. We call it an insurrection against the powers that were, regardless of the fact where they, they were turning a lot of their anger and their anxieties on their own community. But that's all they knew. Most of the people back then still had the old segregationist way of thinking, you know, just nothing had changed up to that point. And this, the riots forced the issue. My father was working that hot Sunday evening. My mom and grandparents stood on the lawn of the house on Burwood Street and watched the city burn. Dad went out and bought a gun. He didn't own a gun. He didn't, um, didn't believe in hunting or actually went out and bought a gun. And she wanted Dad to sell, and he just said he would hang on. And then she, I guess they had some heated discussions, and he told her, he said, how many can there be? And, and he was one of them. That's true. We've all been prejudiced, uh, and I probably have been also. And here I was talking about myself. That's one gift he gave me. His whole family, as they were raised as white people. And why is that a gift? Hmm? Why is that a gift? Oh, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have that. That's true. That's very true. It's hard to be black. Yeah, it's very hard. I remember that piece, Charlie. It's a powerful story. Still make me want to cry. No, don't cry. Just, I mean, the, the sad part about it is that we could change the dates on most of that conversation and it still applies. It's different. But it's the same. It's different when you're all mixed up. Yeah, tell me about it. If you think about it, <laughs> the big argument is when you get people like us. And there's somewhere Chris is is the answer. I just think if you speak honestly and not hatefully mm -hmm. and I, respectfully, that's the answer. It is. Is it? I, I think I, it could be. I got no better one.
I'll tell you what. <clears throat> let's let's play with it a little bit. Uh, first, don't play with Charlie, it, Charlie. You did a great. You did a great <laughs> job. You did a great job. Um, and look, you know, in today's uh, culture, uh, the cancel culture, uh, it is at complete odds with progress, and we don't seem to understand that. Everything is getting more entrenched, more vicious, under the guise of better. Uh, canceling has not helped the cause. Uh, policing language. Now that we have a generation of kids who say N-word, like N-word, they say N-word, without any real understanding of why. Why are you so afraid? Why is that so disrespectful? Why is it different? Uh, and anytime there's any questioning of it in any way that seems to deflect from its importance, here comes the canceling. But what it has done is that piece is a portrait of America. There's so many people who are mixed. The future of this country is going to be a very tough uh, telling of what you are, unless you buy into at some point actually just being a nation. So what is there that, are people what is who Dr. watch King that piece, saying? Charlie? What was was he doing at the well, end? We'll what, was he doing it? what was he doing at the end there? Look, we're not all created hold equal. On, Charlie. I, I well, really hold on, hold on. We're not all created equal. I'll just say something for real. We're not all created equal. It's misunderstood, I think. But the great promise, as Dr. King said at the beginning, is what you wrote down, mm -hmm. that everybody has the right to an equal opportunity. And we just haven't gotten there. Well, but you got to remember too, Charlie, black people initially were considered property. So mm -hmm. for people that look at that as, 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 as a constitutional obligation, that still leaves out black people because, well, you weren't considered human. So you could argue that point and people say, well, you know, it didn't include you in the first place. Can't be denied. It's also type versus talent. Type versus talent. Uh, we are not all born with equal talent. That's true. Mm -hmm. um, you're not going to have equal outcomes. That's true. Um, but we're talking about type. All men are created equal. It's supposed to be about type. And there are people who would listen to this conversation, especially if it's excerpted the right way, and say, Whoa, man, are these people just so woke and missing it. I would so rather be black today. I will get things given to me. I'll get an advantage getting into school. Anybody who wants a job going against me is going to lose, and I don't have to be as good. I can anchor a TV show, and as long as I'm black, I check that box. You know, I'm in good shape, boy. Is that what, is that what you see? Are, yeah, I disagree. Is I that, disagree no, wait, with that. Is that yeah. no? Well, is that what you see, Chris? Of course, you're going to disagree. I'm just telling you what white people say when you're not around. Uh, is <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> my kids can't get into school. My kids can't get into school. My kid's an A student. My kid's captain of this and captain of that and 4-H this and national security. And they can't get in because it's all diversity. White kids are screwed because the pendulum is swinging back way too far and the majority is being forgotten. And if you don't think that this is real, then you've got a real problem explaining the power of Trump, the power of the lamest, recognition as a symbol of this that gets elected marjorie taylor green how do you explain and if you write it off as racism you do nothing to deepen the understanding or to improve the situation 
do this think, I know. Do you I do know you think is. do you think there's truth to that sentiment? I think there must be if you look at truth as what is true to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll say, well, no, that's not truth. Two plus two is four. That's truth. Truth is always true. All right, you're oversimplifying humanity and society. But do you think personally that there's truth to what that segment of the population feels? I think it's perspective. I think that correction, inclusion, change has to have a net effect of less people who were given advantage getting advantage. That is the that is the necessary objective requirement of change. If everybody who looks like Leduff was given an advantage over people who are browner than Leduff, then at some point there's got to be less people like Leduff so that there can be more people who are browner than Leduff. Well, then you see, you see, you see what my the gift, and it was pushed back on mm-hmm. black friends of mine. What do you mean a gift? I go, but the gift is my family telling the truth. My great auntie telling the truth. Yeah, it's way harder to be black. But at the same time, you see what we come from. Like you look at me, I go, what advantage? My dad wasn't governor. My dad not rich. You know what I mean? We grew up single mom, five kids. It was a fucking brawl. What advantage? What privilege? But I guess, Charlie, the thing about that is, and, and I do agree, and I think that that is the, the, what, what Chris said. Oh, now people, you're agreeing people, with Chris. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I do. I mean, I, that people do feel that way. And I do think that that fueled the whole, you know, Trump thing. And people are like, hey, you know, our, our country is turning. Uh, the complexion of our country is changing and we've got to protect it. I, 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 do, I, I do agree with that. But, you know, it's, it, it, is it more difficult? I mean, you know, we had this conversation, you know, Chris talked about cancel culture when, you know, a group of people came after me for saying something. And the first thing people see, which is why black people were treated as property, is the color of your skin. So that's always, you know, are people being rude or are people being racist? I mean, that is the very first identifier. So that's always a reason for whether it's inclusion, exclusion, judgmental behavior or, or perspectives. I mean, that that's it's something uh, you that, can't hide. I, 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 I mean, nobody knew that you were broke rude. or you're a single parent. They look at you and they see you as a white guy. They, they could see how you yeah. dress. Oh, but no, you're going to you're going to know a high class rude. black person and a lower class white person for real. Who's looking down on whom? Yeah, this right. part, like I'm telling you again, what Dr. King, who lives this, starts doing. What he actually starts doing. If you want change, everybody must be involved in it. Can't be hectoring each other. I agree. Huh? That's the part that's missed by the left. The left is the one that's getting that wrong. And that's my point. You know, and again. Oh, no, no uh, longer well, CNN Chris is like the left now. <laughs> the left. No, listen. I, and look, I, this is easy. Okay. I will take on my record at CNN at how I covered this and everything else. Any day for any amount of money. That's good. They have it written right here. Good. Good. Especially if they're in the media, because the the, the argument is easy for me to win. The problem with our media is it doesn't matter how bad I beat your ass on the facts. You'll just write whatever you want anyway. Go on social media, find your tribe, and talk your shit. You know, that's the problem in our media, is that it's not about what's demonstrable anymore. It's about what you want to be said. And that's fine. That's fine. Mm -hmm. We got plenty of problems. But... You said, is it rude or racist? Right there, you are closing off any chance at a coalition because you have all these people 
who are white in America, as far as they know, uh, who will say, no, I'm not rude. I'm not racist. You're black. Okay. And that's what you are. And I'm white. Doesn't come with a judgment. But of course, that's what I see first. I'm not going to see the content of your character first. <laughs> that's not how we work. And the only way we get to a better place. And now here's another problem with the left. No, I'm not going to ameliorate the stupid and the bigot. Sorry, Chris. Uh, you want to take it easy on them uh, for liking Trump. And I'm not because he's a bigot and they're stupid to be doing that. Okay. You win. You win. You win. If we're at Harvard, oops. If we're at Harvard, you win. Okay. You win. You win if we're at Harvard. Leave it alone. My kid is messing with my phone. Beat it. Um, Beat it. If you are, if you're at Harvard, you win. If you're in Congress, you get half. If you're in Walmart, you lose. So what do you want? If you want people to find a way to empower common good, you can't keep it bifurcated like this as an argument. Now, Charlie knows my whole spiel about why it's bifurcated and how that works for the game and why the parties like it and want to keep it that way. I won't belabor that. Martin Luther King was born. You, you should write Michael. this down, by the way. You should write this down for the <laughs> this monologue. For the monologue. I, I got it in my head. Okay. okay. Martin Luther King was born Michael. I can't tell you how many people I've dealt with online who say, you know, he wasn't even a doctor. You know, they always got to build up the minority, got to build them up, always make them better. And that's because they don't want to know. Of course, he was a doctor. He got a doctorate. Yeah, it's not a real doctor. Shut up. But he was born Michael. So why is he Martin Luther? His father had this epiphanic trip that started as a pilgrimage, then was at a conference. And he was so taken by a couple, and this is misunderstood also, a couple of aspects of Martin Luther. The, and what were they specifically? Well, he said what they were specifically. So it wasn't Catholic suck, you know, because a lot of Catholics have tried to do that to Dr. King and uh, to the Abyssinian church, which is, you know, they're just anti-Catholic, you know, ungrateful. It's not what it was. Um, and it's not about the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther believed in the power of the individual and the responsibility of the individual to themselves. Dr. King's father was enamored of this idea and thought it was so powerful to remove the individual from an institution. Don't be looking for we. Stick with me. And that is very resonant in Dr. King Jr.'s language and his messaging. So the father changed his name to Martin Luther and his son's name. And they'll say some of his, some of his deepest family uh, still called him Mike until the day he died, which, by the way, he was only 38. Amazing what a monumental contribution Dr. King Jr. made. And so at 38, I was lucky if I was paying my own bills. This guy changed our society in terms of what our ideals should be for generations to come. So what is the point of this? To show that I Googled something? No. Well, I was wondering. <laughs> there, there is symbolism. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wanted not black people, but really non-black people to recognize that if you're Christian, if you think you're a good person, 
If you think you're a moral person, if you think you're an American, sure, I'm speaking to you uh, through uh, gospel rhetoric, but if you check any of those boxes, you have to share the same vision. And I believe that was his greatest power that was left on the table. Listen to was, Cuomo sure, Caucasian explaining to me. <laughs> no, so that goes back to your thing, which is, Chris, everybody can say what they wish. Like, don't, don't, don't be bullied about, you know, you, you can speak about the legacy of Dr. King. Dr. King's a legacy for all of us. That's the point, isn't it? I'm talking about it yeah, as an instruction to white people. Issue with that. Yeah, well, so let's do this. Let me, let me, let oh, me get to... just called it white explaining, so... Uh, I'm just playing. playing power He's playing to his power. <laughs> yeah, I know. You, you made the right, I believe, the is right this, explanation. Is this white on white crime? Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm mulatto. Yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Aren't we all? Well, some of us and some of us not. <laughs> No, um, hey, I, t I told Charlie this joke. My father's uh, last joke my father told before he uh, lost his ability to be himself um, was he saw something written up about me uh, being number one at CNN because of white privilege. And he went like this. Hot damn. We made it. <laughs> because he had always been written off as the swarthy ethnic, the hot-blooded Italian, Mercurial Mario, Mafioso Mario. Fredo, yeah, all that shit. Right, because you know what? When the New York Times was um, cleaning out their physical archives called the morgue, the old newspaper clippings, right? And they digitized mm -hmm. them all. They were throwing them away. I have it in my file somewhere. It was buried in the paper, Chris, 19, I want to say 28, maybe 1923. And it's just buried in there. It's a crime story. And the headline is, Italian Kills Man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So that that's like mm -hmm. the history of the country, you know. The, the, I'm a man. The Puerto Ricans, the Dominicans, the, yep. the new the newcomers now, right? Yep. That's get in line. That's this country, though, Charlie. It sure I mean, is. that is this country. It's always us versus them. Everybody. I mean, whether but you I mean, can't it identify it, you can't identify as that anymore, though. If Le, if Leduff wants to play, uh, you know, it's a little different with that name. But it, let, let's say it was McDuff, okay? <laughs> if he wanted to play uh, to how his grandparents or probably great-grandparents took a beat down here from the English and the other Protestants. Um, not anymore. Now you're white. Shut up. Yeah. Uh, much more recent for me, right? I'm second generation in this country. Um, my grandfather didn't speak English. Uh, he dug ditches because that's all he could do. Um, next generation had one good job. Uh, my father, right? So, Leo, you're not, a, you're not an ethnic. You're white. Period. Don't, no, no. don't say you're ethnic. Don't say you identify as that. Don't do no, that. Nothing wrong with it, but if, if you're of Irish descent, you go to Ireland, they tell you, get the fuck out of here. You're not Irish, you know? You're, <laughs> you're American. You're white. Let me, let me, uh, uh, let's get to what Chris Cuomo's doing, where he's been, where he's going. Uh, we're going to do Luke first, or you want me to do the reads? We can do Luke, yeah. Oh, go ahead, roll that. Mm -hmm. This message of uplift is brought to you by business and personal wealth advisor Luke Nowacki, who reminds you, that what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but never enter the kingdom of God? But while you're waiting, Nowacki wants you to remember that overreaction is not a sound financial strategy. So call Luke Nowacki at 248-663-4748 for sound financial advice. Also brought to you by ADR, experience overseeing more than $250 million in private and public construction projects since the turn of the century. ADR competent, reduce your costs, increase your bottom line. ADR saved clients millions. 
ADR consultants are experts in procurement and government compliance and information technology. ADR, honest, ethical, smart. Call Barry Ellentuck at 248-318-9424 for a consultation. Get the job done right, on time, on budget. ADR consultants, 248-318-9424. And finally, <laughs> I announced that Thursday White Boy Rick called in. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a night of conversation together. Uh, conversation videotape the whole the scope of white boy rick's life saturday march 18th at on the almost celebrity showroom in warren michigan tickets between 25 and 59 dollars they go on sale wednesday you've all tried to get a hold of me i tried to get the tickets i can't get them it's wednesday they go live at on showroom.com perfect got to give away a pair of tickets darling like you know we still on talk radio this is a fucking broken down podcast. I'm giving shit <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, you should. You should give away a pair of tickets to, we got to figure it out. Where I can they meet you to pick up those tickets, They Karen. can't meet me oh, at all. Oh. But, you know, you got to think about that. Uh, I, 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 I got to give them away. I leave, <laughs> Let Jesus do it. I leave my, my high paying mainstream media job. Here's, here's a solution. Here's a solution. Chris make it easy for you guys. You, you guys are all about problems. Uh, I want to buy four tickets to your show. And now please give them away because I'm not going. <laughs> All right, I will pay you for four four fifty nine dollar tickets. I want to buy four fifty nine dollar tickets. Talk about no bullshit news. Fifty nine? Because you don't want to say sixty. I'll buy four fifty nine dollar tickets, and you give them away to whoever wants them, who's listening and watching the podcast. Okay, you so there you go. So yeah. th Thursday we're gonna have a contest to give those away. We gotta have a contest, but it's, it needs it's to be the somebody. It's the Cuomo table. There you go. But it needs <laughs> to go. be somebody that not just listens to the podcast, but also watches his show, and that can we no, gotta figure that it's out. It's too small an audience. Just give them the one you want. I'm buying the tickets. Maybe we'll okay? give them to Charlie. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna fucking pawn them out front for twenty. No. No. Okay. So we write this down. <laughs> the Cuomo table for tickets. You don't have to call it that. I'm just gonna pay. Oh, we're gonna call it that. And yep, you, it needs to have like reserved. Yeah, you need to do the whole and, thing. And, and, and you notice how the name of the restaurant's Andiamos. I, these people, these Cuomos, <laughs> these Andiamos, these these syllables, they these, stick together. These vowel people, they're everywhere. I mean, there is a hundred dollar meet and greet. Group. Is there? The yeah. only ethnic group you can make fun of. A hundred dollar meet and greet. What Italians you are, can, Chris? Absolutely. If you can say, hey, Cuomo, you Italian. Hey, Cuomo, you Italian, right? Hey, pizza pasta. Hey, you Gambino. <laughs> Nobody's going to get in trouble with you. No, you're fine. You're fine. It's the only ethnic group you can do that with. Yeah, you know why we Italians, you know why we Italians wear mustaches? I don't want to know, Charlie. It reminds of us our grandma. <laughs> oh. Okay, back to the back to the notes, Charlie. <laughs> Let's put, let's put this back on track. Hey, now, in, in case you're just tuning in, uh, really please, my, just my in, new BFF it. is Chris Cuomo. But I've always respected you, bro, but just doing a little research on, on, your, on your career. I mean, this is a, you're like prime here. So you started at Fox News, at Fox News as yep. a reporter. Then you went to ABC News. Then you anchored Good Morning America, anchored 2020. I remember you doing the heroin mm -hmm. special that was really important to my family because my niece died in 2008 of that Mexican black tar heroin. So uh, my family has deep respect for that. Then you went to New Day at CNN and then Cuomo Primetime, mm -hmm. which was the number one show at CNN. And now you're at 
News Nation. Um, you said the show Cuomo, you want to be less partisan, and I'm going to quote you here, that extremes are not America's majority. Is that what the media is doing? Are they pandering yes. to the extremes? And it, you said, of course. Yes. is it destroying the country? It's too much. Uh, it is a reflection of the country. It is a magnifier of the country. Uh, the media is a mirror, and for a different metaphor, it can be an accelerant. Um, but again, back to Martin Luther, look at yourself. Look at yourself. What we spend our time here is looking at everybody else. That's the upside of tribalism, um, is that you have a group of people uh, who share your feeling that everybody else is killing you. And it is the key to our stagnation, which I think is the right word. I don't think we've gone backwards. I don't think we're going forwards the way uh, that our dream suggests. There's stagnation, uh, maybe 40 years worth. That's true. Now, look, I've, I've been to CNN. I've, I've been on the air there many times. It's a um, joyless place, Chris. I mean, it's, it's just an awful newsroom. And the only newsroom I've been to in my career that's worse is Morning Joe. It is just <laughs> beaten dogs, silence, you know, crappy carpeting. When you were at CNN, because you can, you can hear Cuomo now, did they put you in a partisan box that Zucker put you in the partisan box to pander to the silo far left no far you right. did I did yeah you did it's the people who watch and especially in the media which is always a problem because your your critic base is your competition um deciding that that's what I was because you know it's subjective so you hear and you see what you want and you use and hear what you want a uh, big problem with social media is that uh, more is not always better. And how can it be that I'm part of some lefty silo and at the same time I had the left uh, eating my groin on a regular basis for having Trumpers on and giving them an audience and having anchors who I respected, uh, liked, loved, um, saying to me on air, why did you have her on? Why did you have him on? Why are you both sizing it again? Why are you so equivalent? And I, was, uh, and I would always joke back. You know, I know that some people in the audience will understand this. Uh, or believe what you're saying. I'm the least equivalent human being you will meet. Um, that is silly to say that about me, but it's what serves. But I, again, I disagree with your assessment of CNN for two reasons. One was Zucker. I do not like how he handled getting rid of me. He did not have to lie about what he knew and what I did and what I didn't do. I never did anything to have to lie about. Explain. Um, I don't like that. I never did anything to manipulate media coverage of my brother. And here's the obvious proof of that. Find me the journalists who say I worked them for my brother's faith. What are they? Not your, coming out because they're your my own, friends? Your own colleagues and friends over there. They piled on no, you no, pretty no. good, bro. Oh, Said, wait, wait, look. look that I get what some of them did because of what they were told, Charlie. I'm not, I'm not thus, the blame game. Thus the never, silo. I'll never get out of it. I'll never get out of the rage. If I want to live there, I'm not going to live there. I'm saying the media that writes Chris Cuomo, comma, who was fired by CNN, comma, for lying about helping his brother go after accusers and manipulate media coverage. That's a fucking lie. OK, I never manipulated anything. And the proof is you think the media wouldn't come out and throw me under the bus if I had worked them or asked for a favor. 
Really? Then you know nothing about the media. And second, the people who did the job for my brother will come out in litigation and say, not only was he not part of what we believed was right to do vis-a-vis -vis the people making accusations, but he would constantly get on our ass about what we were doing, so we would cut him out. So let's put that to the side. CNN is a lefty operation. Not in my experience. Jeff Zucker wanted it that way. Jeff Zucker, even though he handled me wrong, gave me the best opportunity in my TV career. Uh, so, you know, I got to see it fair. CNN played to the left. CNN and all of the media played it to the left of Donald Trump. But you have to be fair. He was a complete aberration of all norms that our generation of journalism had ever dealt with. He lied with impunity. He lied when the truth was a better story. And he attacked social norms, morality, and decency in a way that we had never seen before and were almost forced to police. So don't hold out CNN. MSNBC did the same thing. ABC, CBS, NBC, they all did the same thing. They just weren't as aggressive. So I don't think it's a fair attack on CNN. Then, Chris, what, what is the difference now? Because I've watched both shows, and you seem, I don't know, uh, if freer is the right word, um, looser yeah. definitely on News Nation than you were on CNN. So what, Agree, is, agreed. what is the difference? And if I, if I might, that's a good question. And I'll say this. N now that I know the guy and I talk to the man, right, and I watch what he's doing now. And I do like this show better. Yeah, I do, too. <laughs> like... It's, well, I mean, but it goes back to everybody's it, trying to save their behind, whether it's the media outlet, whether it's your, your colleagues, whether it's your critics. I mean, people fuel those fires because those fires sell. And so everybody's trying to save their ass. The, exactly. And so a, a different platform, Charlie, you have your own platform. You say things now that you weren't able to say. We talk all the time about people just in this market who don't ask questions who don't challenge who don't who play the game so that they can keep keep the access i mean that's i can't imagine that it's any different anywhere else so going back to mark's question do you feel freer and more yourself now that you know you have more control i guess or more freedom i've more always freedom. had i've always had control maybe i have some more now because news nation is completely devoid of groupthink uh it's a startup so there is no culture there it's developing in real time. Uh, it's got a great leader. Mike Korn was my producer for years at ABC News. He's done all the jobs. That's rare in a boss. Usually, you know, uh, they're house mice. You know, they're from the control room world, the management world. Mike isn't. He's been all over the country covering news. Uh, so that's a good advantage. But look, here's the truth. Here's the emotional truth. Okay. And this is what I'm, my agent and my trusted people, loved ones, tell me not to say anymore because it'll make people think I'm unstable. Um, I am emotionally and psychologically um, beat up and changed by what I went through. I was somebody who more than anything else identified myself as a seer. I saw what was coming. I saw the game. I knew what was going to happen. I'd be able to tell people, be careful about this, be careful about that. This is the way they're going to play it. This is the way it's going to run. Here's how they're going to react because I've grown up in it my entire life on both sides of the ball, the way very few people have. The idea that Cuomo's have money is demonstrably false. Uh, my father was a public servant. He never made more than 200 grand a year uh, until he was, you know, until I was 26 and he became a, a lawyer at Walford, you know, a law firm. Ooh, wow, they're so rich. Anyway, what we do have is a fortune 
in political perspective. I have been in the room where it happens, when there is no Laduff, when there is no camera, about how they speak about the media, what they do with the media, and how they do it with the media, and why they need to. And of course, I've been at the top of the food chain on the other side. I know exactly why we cover it. I know why we don't cover it. I know how we cover it. I know when we're going to cover it. And to get my ass kicked the way I did when I thought I knew how to see it coming Mm -hmm. was very destructive uh, to my sense of self and hurt me. So I am a different person now. Do I do things differently at work? No, not uh, per se. Not, I'm going to do my job differently now. I am different. And I am coming from a place where I am so hunted. And people make threats and accusations about me for money all the time now because they realize that if I'm back working, I can't fight anything. And they're right. So that I'm coming from a different place personally. So my show is different because I am different. Not that I was in some lefty silo. That is bullshit. Well, you were, you were in a lefty silo. You're saying yeah, right. you weren't lefty. You, you know, you said it's a lefty silo, but you I didn't. I don't think CNN was a lefty silo. I think that oh, people on dude. the right said that and competitive media said that to reduce the impact that CNN was having. Oh, it's terrible. And that's Look, okay. I, I even interviewed for CNN and I was going to get a show and it was all set and the eight were in the room and Vinny, member Vinny, he goes, all right, let, what, what do you think of CNN? What would you do to change it? And I go, what would I do to change it? I said, Don Lemon's a drip. He's got to go. Wolf Blitzer, he puts me to sleep. He's got to go. We walk out. The agent goes, what the fuck did you do? I said, I told the truth. Can't do that, Charlie. I told the fucking truth. <laughs> no. You think that's why they didn't give you a show? <laughs> no, because I'm a fucking nut, bro. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, just like you, everywhere I went, everywhere I go, I'm number one. I'm just going to... I worked for the New York Times. I'm no left-wing nut. I worked for Fox. I'm no right-wing nut. I'm a guy living, and I refuse to be told what what the, the analysis going on in here, how that's going to change on your screen or in your newspaper. I refuse. There's always a penalty for that, Charlie. I refuse to it's do it. There's always a penalty for that. So now, that's Chris. Why you're wearing, that's why you're wearing overalls in your basement, brother. I got plumbing. That, this is the I got, penthouse. I got plumbing to do after this, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another thing, you know, like I grew up as a working person. And you want to know how I take care of healthcare? I actually work with my hands part of the week. So this doesn't become too esoteric and highfalutin. I want to keep it back to where it belongs, which is informing my people. That's all. Now, having said that, what's very important, and you advised your brother, and everybody can Google it, whether, yep. you know, Chris is saying, go go hit accusers or not. You defended your brother. I, doesn't matter what my position in life is, I will always help my brother, and I will always tell my brother the truth of what I think he needs to do. That's what you did, Chris. Yeah, but that's Would- not what I got in trouble for. That's not what I got in trouble for. Go on. You're being too easy on me. I was going to get um, Here's the... Here's well. Go ahead. You just take too long. Go ahead. Hit me with it. <laughs> Would you do that again? Yeah. Would you advise him in front of scummy political people? Would you send emails? Um, yes. The only thing... Uh, one of my great regrets 
is that I don't know how I could have avoided this. Uh, the, the one argument that I came up with was I should have taken a leave. Um, they say at CNN, I was asked to take a leave. Of course I wasn't. If I was asked to take a leave, I would have had to take a leave. Okay. Zucker was a real boss. <laughs> okay. Um, so, but what would have happened if I took a leave? Would I not have been accused of these things? No, I think I would have. And they would have said he can't come back. So I think I would have wound up in the same place functionally. Um, it just wouldn't have been as big a surprise to me because I probably would have been more aware of the resistance. Um, at the end of the day, I am not, I, they didn't attack me because I helped my brother. Uh, that is too favorable an assessment. It's how I helped my brother that people are getting wrong and they're using it for high ground because they know they lose on the proposition that you just brought up, Charlie. If it, the, I've only had one person say, I wouldn't help my brother in that situation. And it was Kara Swisher. And then I wound up having a dialogue with her brother. I was like, damn, I feel for you, brother. And he invited me to their New Year's, uh, their Christmas Eve, Seven Fishes uh, thing that he does. He's a good, he's a good kilt, apparently. And he's a really nice guy um, in my dealings with him. But that's the only person I ever had say, yeah, I wouldn't have helped my brother because it would have affected my journalism. Okay, we were raised different. I feel differently. But it wasn't about my attachment to my family. That's absolute. It's about how I did it that people criticize me for. They just don't have the facts right, but I'll fix that. Let me go to your brother for a second, okay? Here's, here's my my thought on it. it knowing the New York media, you just... Your brother was held up, and, and most of them are, are, are liberal, right? And it was Trump versus uh, Andrew Cuomo and who's the better, COVID, the emergency. Your brother was held up and not really questioned by the liberal East Coast media. When it starts to come out that the nursing home count is being fudged, whether your brother knew it or not. I mean, you could make, I'm not even gonna make that argument. When they found out it wasn't true, the fact that they all had gone along with it, not mm -hmm. done their jobs and questioned the state bureaucracy, not not to, not to make the governor, but the state bureaucracy. They got caught with their pants down and they were humiliated. It was a scandal. But since they couldn't attack themselves, they went with the hashtag, me too, you're a bore, would you agree with that, that the, the, the attack on, on your brother comes not from his alleged boorish behavior with, with underlings and women, but the fact that the media got it wrong in the first place? Well, I think it's all of it. I mean, you know, the media is not in the business of saying it did something wrong. Uh, it does use negativity as a proxy for insight. But that's why corrections are these little bitty things in an outlet. And the headline is this big honking thing. Um, because they don't want to take the beating because the rest of the media will jump on the person who apologizes or says they got it wrong because everybody's trying to gain advantage because your competition is your critic base. Um, Andrew is an and, and, uh, nursing home scandal, uh, which is not what people believe it to be from my understanding, which is pretty deep. Um, but he did not handle it well and his team didn't handle it well and they let it fester. And they let a narrative be developed that then would hang them. And it did. So it was that and the allegations and the fact that he's a Democrat. You put an R after his name instead of a D, he's still governor in all likelihood. Uh, not in New York, because it's hard to win as Republican, obviously. But 
Um, it was complicated. It's complex. It's not just one thing. Did the media have to go after him because they got it wrong? Well, maybe, but they had plenty of reason to go after him. Now, did they dig up the reasons? Did they help orchestrate the reasons? Yes, but that's not a value judgment. Um, it doesn't mean that it, they're false allegations. Um, and I know people will say that's a weird thing to say, uh, talking about your brother's allegations. No, I'm, I'm saying that just because I and the media find more victims or more accusers doesn't mean that they're, they're fake. Um, so I think it's complicated. And I think Andrew played on a team or plays on a team that has rules. And he violated the rule. Because remember the rule, Charlie. The rule isn't don't do this. It's don't be accused of this. And he was accused multiple times of what you cannot survive in that part. Look at Al Franken. I still don't know. Who did he ever touch? Who did he ever even try to touch? Um, but he's out. Why? That's the rule in the party. And people can say, due process, and uh, there's no crime. That's naive. It's naive. You know, this, this is about, uh, we've been doing this in America since we started America, which is, this is the court of public opinion and people hanging you for gossip. And that's what it is. And that's why Andrew lost. And I saw it happening very, very early. He and his people uh, didn't see it. And I understand that because they were living it and I'm in the media. So I knew this was never going to end well. Nobody wanted to hear any defense. It was over. It was just a question of when. And he eventually had to uh, step away. And I wish he had done it much sooner for his own benefit. Mm. Now, I think you said in something to the effect of in a deposition in, in all of these lawsuits, um, I'm going to paraphrase it. There, there's really little difference between the media and the politicos because we all know each other. That about right? Um, I don't remember saying that, but the idea that a lot of people in the media give advice and suggestions to people in politics is a duh. It's not a once in a while. It's not a one-off. I mean, you know, Charlie, anybody who says differently has never covered politics and is not relevant. That's important you because you're, you're a big relevant. player in this country and, and the very smart, regular working people that listen to this program know that, but for you to say it is, is important to them. Charlie, you've never had a politician who you were talking to say, I mean, is this working? You know, I mean, do you think this is the right way for me to do it? I mean, you know, why, why am I, what, what did I do wrong here? And you were like, I'll tell you what you did wrong. You should have done this and you shouldn't have done that. And if you had done that, they wouldn't be kicking your ass this way. Now, come on, you've had that conversation. I, you know, I, you know they, so all, that, they all, they want to hire me and Karen and you walk around your backyard like this could be a really interesting opportunity. And then you got to check yourself and say, that's not who I'm serving. Right. But it does happen, Charlie, having been in politics and having been on that side, it does happen. Those conversations happen. Mm -hmm. Now, the context in which they happen and whether or not how far that goes. I mean, that's the danger of people in those positions hanging out with people in the media. Mm -hmm. You know, remember, come on, Karen, let's go. No, we aren't going to be friends. You're going to do your job and I'm going to do my job. And we're going to walk that that line of respect. But Chris is right. It happens all the time. But I, I find the way you describe and the way that you conducted yourself to be rare. 
but it, I wasn't all, doing it. It's all a black widow thing where everybody's trying to uh, okay. seduce each other. Yep. And I wasn't doing it. I wasn't not because that way there's no appearance of impropriety. There's no, hey, I know Karen's hanging out with this person. Nope, Karen's not hanging out. So we don't even have that that gray area. So, but it does happen. Just so Chris knows, Karen. There's the kid. But it's, but, it's, yeah. but it's doable. I mean, it's doable. That was, that's oh, you, you can blame it on your kid. <laughs> no, kid. So we've all been on that side. We've all been on that side of things, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I want to, I want to get to the final point, but I just want to bring this up. Just you're, we were talking before the show, Karen, and about Chris, and and, and here's the deal with me. no, it was you, Mark. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be me. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what that contract says or, you know, you work in such a thing and you have some public presence. You know, Chris, I was joking about Fredo, but I want to say this. When a bunch of fucking punks decide they're going to surround me and they're going to browbeat me and harass me and stick cameras in my fucking face and call me names. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I might threaten to push you down the stairs. Oh, you know what? I might get in a brawl in Patty's Day. You can Google it, dude. <laughs> You know what I mean? But I'm you're not allowed to fuck with me just because I have a job. Mm-hmm. So I have, I was actually, I found it attractive. <laughs> Intriguing. You know what they didn't report? What? I show up on my boat. It's a water restaurant. My wife is inside with her friends. I, uh, they were supposed to meet me at the boat, but of course nobody does what I want. So I got to anchor the boat. I got to walk into the water, into the restaurant to get them so I can get the get out of there. Okay. The it's a shishi restaurant in this place called Shelter Island. Not really my seat. Um, but my wife is actually popular and people love her so she can go to these places. So I am going inside to get her. I walk up the stairs and my nine-year-old has greeted me at the time she was nine. Now she's going to be 13 in a couple of weeks. And she says, oh, we're upstairs. Come upstairs. She leads me up the stairs. I see these guys stop her on the way up, which is not unusual. People talk to her all the time. She's a funny kid. She's a chatty kid. And I see her kind of looking at them a little quizzically, and she leaves. I walk up, and one of these three assholes says, uh, Hey, Fredo, will you take a picture? And I look at him. I said, What'd you call me? <laughs> and he's like, What? What? Isn't that your name? I said, I don't know. Is your name Bitch? Is that your name? And there's three of them, and I see them size up a little bit. And as you guys don't know, um, I have spent more time uh, studying how to fight in self-defense than most people have spent in school. And this is all I know. This is all I do. I see scenarios all over all the time. And here's what was unfair to me. They called me Fredo to my nine-year-old daughter. And all the media was told that. And none of them reported it. I wonder why. I wonder why. Because it takes the sting out of me being a bully. Because I'll give you an immutable truth. You find me a woman or a man who will say differently than this. Oh, yeah, you can stop my kid. Who's a kid? Okay, they're not 30. You can stop my nine-year-old and call me an insult to them, to my child. And I'll be cool. Yeah, go ahead. Tell me that's you. You're full of shit if you say that's you. Mm -hmm. Because they matter most to us. And that's why I was hot. And the fact that I did not put hands on those guys is a triumph 
And when I was told, because I'm the one who told CNN about what happened, I said, this is what happened. These guys came at me. We got in the thing. The guy pulled out the camera. I was like, I'm glad you got the camera out. I want people to hear this. Three guys. You said you were going to beat my ass. You touched me. I said, don't touch me again. That was a warning. I didn't even have to give him. As soon as he touched me, I could have used this and changed how he looked for the rest of his life. And I didn't. And it was mature. And it was the right response. I was told by my bosses, and they weren't wrong. If you would touch them, we would have had to fire you. You tell my nine-year-old I'm Fredo, which is insulting to me. Sorry. I, I, sorry. It is. It's insulting to Italians to be called that. And I don't care what stupid Fugazi Italian says. No, it isn't. Probably doesn't even speak the language. He probably thinks that the Godfather is a good thing for Italians. And it's so insulting, I don't care what it's insulting when your brother's the governor and you're doing CNN. You know what I mean? There is the, the Michael Look, Fredo. It's insulting, period. It's an Italian epithet. Everybody knows. But that's not the point. The point is... I got done dirty for two reasons. One, the media had a chance to take me down, and we love taking down bold-faced names, especially in the media, because our competition is our critic base. So it's great for them to take you down. I get it. The second one was Trump knew that, so he started playing with it, even though he told me personally. It's not true. He told someone who told me personally, yeah, he did the right thing. Yeah, I would have slapped the shit out of those guys. But he said, oh, we're supposed to be the angry ones. We're the violent ones. Look at this guy. And then he started calling me Fredo. <laughs> so the media amplified his attacks. That's the deal in a nutshell. And that's what happened. Have I been called Fredo since? Yeah, but not in person. You know, I am not somebody. I'm not, you know, the expression, I'm not the guy. I am not you know, a pretend fake guy. It's something that I work on a real basis to control how I feel. I have so much anger. I have so much rage about what I've lived through, but it's mostly self-directed. So I don't have a problem with Zucker. I'm going to litigate that. I don't hate CNN. I love CNN. I think it's the best news organization in the world. I wish them well. They were good to me. They didn't do this to me. My boss and the new owners did this to me. Well, obviously. I Zucker, Zucker's a tool, dude. I can't. Zucker is a tool. I don't believe it. You don't think Zucker is like a tool? I don't like how he fired me. He didn't need to do it that way. He Damn, gave me the I'm best telling. opportunities of my career. He made me, he gave me the chance to create the Chris Cuomo that people know. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't discount Chris Cuomo Good Morning America now. That was a, it's that a long was a, time ago, Charlie. Man. This is a very short uh, attention span culture. So let me, let me remind everybody, like uh, you're doing something new now. At Newton's Nation, it's called Cuomo. It's on at eight o'clock every night, seven o'clock central. What do you hope to be doing there, Chris? What What's the goal help. here? Help. Help whom? Help as many as I can. I want to. I want to tell them things and show them things that they may not hear other places. To empower them as critical thinkers. To remind us of our interconnectedness and interdependence on one another as human beings to make them feel that, to show them the game that is being played on their time and with their power and with their franchise, see it in the media, see it in politics, see it in how the media covers politics, see why it is how it is, because it's easy to understand for guys like us. Instead of playing the game or even refereeing, I just expose it. I want to help. Do you hope to win? That's all there is. Do you hope to win? I mean... 
I like the competition. I agree with all of that. And that's the first goal of, of doing journalism. But there is the, the competitive nature. Okay, fine. fine. I'm going to go over here. I don't think helping... I don't think helping is the goal of journalism. I don't believe that. I think it can be. Informing. But I don't think it is. I think informing. Yeah. Yeah, I think informing. I don't want to just inform. Don't you want to build uh, that what? into a... Do you want to build that into a juggernaut? Do you want them to see, oh, you made a mistake, man. Cuomo's going to go over here uh, and rebuild it. Yes. Listen. Say It's it. just not how my head works. No, I'll tell you what, Charlie, look. When I asked you to come on the show, and the reason that I wanted you on is really a reflection of what my goal is, okay? Um, I want people who live the truth to tell the truth, and it doesn't matter if it's offensive to me or anybody else. It doesn't matter. I'll never be what I was, Charlie. It's never going to happen. They took that from me. I was number one on the most powerful media platform in the world, and any way you want to look at it, I was number one. I had the smallest team. I was never the face of CNN. They never used me like that in the promos. That's Anderson's house. And when it's politics, it's Wolf's house. Now maybe Jake Tapper's house. It was never my house. All I did was succeed. I built them a morning show that made more money and had more presence in the media. Nobody can even name another uh, CNN morning show other than New Day. I made that with Jeff, but I made that. I made Cuomo primetime successful with my team that I was never allowed to say goodbye to. An office I was never allowed to clear out that was sent to me in boxes with half my ship broken. They took that from me. I'll never get it back. I'll never be that guy again. I'll never be number one, two, three, four, five on some bullshit media power list. I'm okay with that. I want to help. I know things. I understand things. I see things. Didn't help me personally. Okay, I'm living with that. I'm dealing with that. But it'll help you. And anybody who says, that guy, he's a hack. Put your resume up against mine. Put your resume up against mine. Anytime. Anywhere. Even if you want to do something stupid, like awards. There's only one award that they give out in television journalism. A major, a major one that I haven't won. It's because I never applied for it. The RFK award. Because my brother was married into the family. So you want to play that game, I'll play it. Nobody's got the loose side I got. But Chris, it's I don't about think, I don't think you ought to, I don't think you ought to discount, and maybe you're not, and I apologize if, 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 if this comes across the wrong, but I don't think you ought to discount. I mean, life and growth are, are, are things that come in some very odd ways. You know, sometimes bad things or things that we think that are bad actually turn out to our benefit and to the benefit of those that we seek to inform or to serve. So, you know, you said a while ago, you know, you're not the same. The show is different because you're a different person. Maybe you're a better person and maybe now you see things differently. So, you know, to hell with CNN and, and, and the people behind you and the people. I've got a long list of people who have worked diligently to undermine me. And, and at the end of the day, they're still in a, in, in, in a place behind me and Charlie. And so, you know, I, I think you are where you are for a reason. And this could be better and, and bigger and not necessarily bigger by somebody else's standards, but bigger by reach and impact of those that you touch and those that you inform and those that you engage than maybe CNN ever could have been. Um, I don't disagree with you. I, I am coming from a different vector to the same uh, place. Um, I don't believe that things happen for a reason. 
I think you have to figure out, well, I mean, obviously there are reasons, there's, there's cause and effect, but I believe you have to figure out the reason for whatever happens to you. And everything that happens, positive or negative, whatever the balance is, it is an opportunity for you to do something with it. And there, you're also right that um, much more of what shapes us in life is often what goes wrong than what goes right. It's hard for people to remember their successes, but they remember their formative failures. I have chosen to do that with this. I am not going back to um, part of the alphabet soup. I'm not doing it. And part of the reason I'm not doing it, she won't want to. Did you go in the hot tub? Oh, good for her. My daughter's rehabbing from a surgery and they wanted her to start uh, doing some uh, hot water immersion. So we're sending her to this place so she can do that. And she's been worried about doing it because it hurt too much. So this is a good day because you got a hot did tub? Something to help herself. You got a uh, hot no, tub? No, I sent her to one. Uh, Maybe you can send no, me to one? one. Like, give me four <laughs> tickets to the to the White Boy Rig Show and a hot, hot tub. What you need can't be washed off. You understand? <laughs> um, what, what I'm saying is this. You have an opportunity to do something with whatever happens, good or bad, that comes your way. That's what I'm focused on. I fucked up a lot of things. I've made a lot of mistakes. I did not do what I was accused of. But what gave me the peace with medication and therapy <laughs> to move my life on hmm. is the mistake I can't make is I'm a victim. I was wronged. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, I didn't do what they say I did. That's true. But I have done plenty of stupid, bad shit to myself, to others, to people I care about. I am no one not to suffer. And, okay, I didn't do what they say. Okay, I'll deal with that. We're in arbitration. I never trash CNN. I don't trash the situation. I don't try to convince people of my situation. I don't do it. Why? I'll take care of it where it matters. And I will never do interviews about it because I do not believe anybody wants to tell the truth about it because it'll make them look bad because they like that extra a positive phrase. Chris Cuomo, comma, fired by CNN, comma. They like the next one because it makes me less than them in their estimation. And that's what our business is often about. That's OK. That's OK. It's amazing. I don't have to be that way. I'm at a one off outlet. It's a startup outlet. I have guests on who are different. You're not going to see Charlie LaDuff uh, on CNN primetime or MSNBC primetime the way you're going to see him on my show. And he's not going to talk to them the way he's going to talk to me because he knows me. And I don't want to be Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson is playing to our worst. He's a demagogue. And I'm against that. But I'm also not a leader. And I don't have answers for people. I just want to show you what I see. And if that means that Charlie and I go down to the border and I can show you why fentanyl is my number one as a guy who's been around drugs my whole life, who's been around addiction and worked with people in addiction my whole life, who's watched a lot of people die and knows rehab and is part of sober communities. I've never seen anything like this and it scares the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm not doing that to hype it for you. I'm talking about for my kids. I'm having conversations with my kid about how, listen, I know you're going to smoke weed. Okay. I love THC. I love weed. You're going to get it from me from a dispensary because I do not know that someone's not going to fleck it up uh, trying to super boost it with fentanyl and get it wrong. And I'm going to lose you and I, my, my life will be over. So I can't say that in a lot of places. I can say it where I am now. I can say it on the Chris Cuomo Project, my podcast, which is all I thought I was going to do, Charlie. I didn't think I was going to do TV again, as I told you. Um, but they gave me an opportunity. They've left me alone. I do stories that people don't do. 
Uh, and they're not esoterica. They're I just different say, you're takes. Very, you're very good at it, dude. I mean, again, I, not knowing the totality. 25 years, Charlie. I got, yeah, I, 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 I didn't know, I didn't know the years. depth of all the stuff you did because it's not easy to do. And what I find impressive about you is I can talk to you, throw something out there. It's pretty deep, been covering issues for many years, and you know it. Like, I don't really have a lot of respect for the cable Ken and broadcast Barbie because there's not a lot there. So ha have I said that to you, Mark? Like Absolutely, this guy's yeah. actually yeah. really impressive when you speak to him. So, well, he seems like, uh, Chris, you seem like a guy you can disagree with and you'll listen and realize that, yeah, we all come from different perspectives, right? Different lives. I'm also wrong a lot. I'm also that, just wrong a lot. I mean, the reason that I love talking to O'Reilly is the guy's never been wrong in his life. And he'll say to me, <laughs> He'll say to me, you can't be wrong. They'll kill you. You can't back off what it is. You got to stick with it. And that's what Trump thinks. And you know what? They're right for true. the game. Mm. But I don't know a lot of things. I, I don't know. I don't. I fuck up in my own life all the time. My ability to repeat mistakes is staggeringly impressive. I think, staggeringly I think there's impressive. stuff he wants to tell me. That's huge. Yeah. I think there's stuff you want to tell me. and we, <laughs> I'll, I'll call you. Well, then we don't get to know what's being said. We'll have him back. We'll have okay. him what back. do you want to know? Whatever you want to know. Well, like what? What, what's, I mean, what? What? You keep saying, I fucked up bad. I fucked up bad. I'm gonna, give me, give I me have. I, look, I, therapy and, and medication. What would you do that's so humiliating well, to yourself? Therapy, therapy is a tool. My therapist is like a life coach. What came you out know, of that? What did you do? Well, therapy is ongoing. Therapy is ongoing. Yeah, but um, what did you discover? Well, like How I... Dad issues, brother issues, wife issues, intimacy oh, everybody's issues. Got, everybody's, got, everybody's got all that shit. It's I know, but if we can hear a little bit of yours, it's going to make us feel a little bit better know, and a little more superior. You know It'll help people. Because you were in the... No, it won't help people, but it will help you because that's part of being a reporter animal is you like to pull out things that you know people aren't used to hearing. I get it. I'm okay with that. There's no shame in my game. But I never pull my cock um, out at, at Patty's Day. That's a lie. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good to know. Just say, um, see, I gave you one. You give me one. Well, you no, you gave me something that didn't happen. The, you know, which is a little different. Anyway, the but my the anger idea got the that, best of me. The anger issue, bro, from from childhood. You know, four brothers. Look, we all have three dads. We all have Doctor Phil now. <laughs> Why not? No, listen, I just had Doctor Phil on the podcast, and Ooh. we all have these things. It's about how you decide to process and use them. Um, my traumas are not impressive. Well, give me they one. are formative. I'll, I'll judge. And ignoring them. You know, give, me, give me one I trauma. Mean, I, one. Just one, Chris. I gave uh, you yeah, one. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you one. All right. I'll give you one that is instructive, okay? Okay. Uh, and there have been many. I'm 52. I fucked up as a parent. I fucked up as a spouse. I fucked up as a friend. I fucked up as a sibling. I mean, you know, you, you live, you lose, and you got to learn from it. Um, taking a kid out of Queens whose identity was... I'm another Italian Catholic kid from Queens, um, played sports, was okay, got better as I got older, but was blessed with a lot of diversity, okay? So growing up in Queens, most of the guys on my teams, um, you know, were black, Latino, Puerto Rican, Korean, Haitian, whatever it was. But there was a lot of colors of Benetton going on, as we used to call them. And many of us were united by Catholicism, but not all. There were Jews and stuff also. Not a lot of Muslims, not yet. But... Um, then I got plucked, no notice, 12 going on 13, formative age, 
And my father all of a sudden went from, I had no idea what he did for a living. No idea. To all of a sudden he's like the man and I'm living in a mansion. Archie Bunker one day, Benson the next day. And you're in a mansion. I don't know anybody. Um, a couple of my Puerto Rican uh, brothers decided I thought I was somebody special after my father won. So I was like fighting a lot and I got in trouble. So now I'm in a military day school in Albany, um, in a mansion. Oh, that, that really sucks. Yeah, it did mm. suck. I didn't know anybody. My parents went on a thank you tour around the, the, the uh, state. Mm. My, I'm much younger than all my siblings, so I was alone in a house with a bunch of people I didn't know. You were forgotten. And we didn't have these, we didn't have these smartphones. I couldn't get in touch with anybody back home. Nobody ever answered their freaking phone. And I didn't write letters, you know. So it was a very formative time. Then Dude, all of a sudden, you don't if, know who you are. If, if I might, I mean, it's kind of... And everybody wanted to beat my ass. I was the like, only kid at my military school who didn't want my name on my jersey. It's like an <laughs> abandonment issue. It's almost, forgive the analogy, but spare, like like Prince Harry. Hmm. Right? Like, all no, right, I everybody... <laughs> I was the man, Charlie. I was the blue-eyed boy. I was the good-looking one. I was no Harry, all right? And I knew who my daddy was. <laughs> and your mom didn't, you know, jet around, you know, doing guys on yachts and stuff. But I hear you. But my I, father I, I get used it. to joke, five for five, Charlie. He's got five kids. He used to joke, five for five. Your fascination with sex is what makes you weak. That's what he used to say to me. And my mother would be next to him. And she'd be like this, he's mm, not wrong. <laughs> that's how old school where i came from was okay old school old school all right bro well, there's look, no um, place to here's what listen i uh i've been thinking about the border i i got something for you i'm gonna i'm gonna get a hold of you and, and let you know what i'm thinking what i found out all right and i have a uh a tentative timeline as of last night that will be confirmed uh today so i'll talk to you about the piece that i gotta do uh, and then I am open. I mean, look, even that, Charlie, sometimes in newspapers, sometimes in print, no TV anchor shares shine with anybody. It doesn't happen. Um, you know, you're always told things over the years, you know, as a correspondent, keep the intro short. Uh, part of the intro we gave to fill in the blank so he or she can say that they know. And, it, and they steal your shit and they leave you with your only answer is, well, that's right, Charlie. You have it right. <laughs> and that's why. And then you get your little tag and you get out and they own the emotive uh, nature of it. And then they do a guess where they can pretend that they did your reporting. I want you to come and I want you to own, um, you know, to eat what you kill. And I'll give you my platform so that people can be helped by the perspective. I don't give a shit what it means for me. I don't care how big News Nation gets. Um, if they pay me what I need to be paid, that's enough. I don't need to be on the media list. I was there. It didn't make me happy and nobody gave a shit anyway. I won the awards. It didn't make me happy and nobody gave a shit anyway. Um, anyway, you slice it. I was the number one guy at CNN. Anyway, for, pick your metric. Nobody made the money no, you know, for, for the network. Um, so th what did that do for me? I still got shit canned. I'm still miserable. I'm still spiraling. I still have to deal in this vortex of accusations and threats and people who say things about me that I did and I said that I never did. I never said I can't defend myself. So none of that changes any of that. So what do I really want? I want better. Well, how do I do that? I take care of myself. I try to live going forward. 
I try to get my head out of my ass about the past, which is really hard for me, really hard for me. I can write an essay on it. I can tell it to other people, but I always say, I don't have the answers. I'm not a guru. I'm telling you what I've read, what I've tried to put into practice and what I keep failing at. So maybe you'll be able to do better for yourself because I'm okay saying that I take antidepressants. They help me. They help me. I'm 52 years old. You tell me I can take something that's going to help me keep on muscle and keep my reaction speed up. You know, so when LaDuff gets loud and when you're sitting in some Mexican bar, I can fucking give you a kick back, you know, just quit ping with my head. He, you know, he falls down. I run out. We're good. I get a hard head, I'll take motherfucker, anything. and I can take a punch. That's mm. good. That's, that's mm. good. That's mm. good. I'm not going to punch you. I'm going to hit you in your throat. Tom. You see, I'm not here to fight you. I'm here to put you on your ass. <laughs> so, Better strike I'm, clean, motherfucker. You got one shot. I, no, I don't want to shout. I don't I'm like gonna crime. Kiss I, love, and I love what you do, and I love what you're about, Charlie. Um, I look up to you because of how you do the work, and I mean that. That's no bullshit. I appreciate 52, it, I don't need heroes. You're really good at what you do, and I love having you in my life, and I appreciate the opportunity. Equally, man. And um, All right, so I, I don't have the jet all set this life. romance Hey, babe, I told you, man. <laughs> I told you. But... Just, I'm, you I'm, see I'm, how they disparage men caring about no, each other? No, no, no. Women don't want that. She doesn't no, understand MLK want, Day. Yeah, no, you know what I mean? Gender don't, issues, no, too. Don't say they that. They don't want I us have caring about each other. Feelings. We're not just meatheads. I'm, I'm kidding with Charlie, uh, Chris. He knows that this is this is all well and fine with me. Other than him abruptly getting off the phone to take your with me to take your call, <laughs> I'm good. Everything else is right fine. It's the right move. Right move. All right, having said that, thank you, brother, for the honesty and, and your time, and I'll get a hold of you. You as well, Karen, and everybody out there. Try to love one another. Consider the day. See you Thursday.